All right. Well, this episode of Do Theology is being presented in quarantine. Yes, all the social distancing. Yeah, we, we're doing our best. You're in Indiana and I'm in Utah. Yeah. We started distancing a long time ago. The only virus that can be transmitted is uh, electronic. Now, what's interesting is we don't know completely for sure when this episode is going to come out. And so right now it is March 20th and we don't know what's going to happen with this whole coronavirus business. But uh, it's kind of like we're making a time capsule for our, ourselves. Yeah, it is a little bit. I, I thought about that uh, earlier about how like, man, people that could like chronicle their journey through this and the mark of just like, oh yeah, this is what I think about what's going on right now. And then in a month be like, wow. Because this thing is, it, it, everything is changing so fast. It's just rapidly, rapidly evolving. So. Yes, it is. And it's times like this when a Christian could really use a drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. That's not one with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. All right. So all that talk about, you know, Christians and alcohol, that wasn't just for tickling your <laughs> fundamentalist, uh, I don't even know why I said tickling, scratching your <laughs> fundamentalist uh, itch. I don't know. What's the right phrase? It wasn't just for uh, shock value. But we are going to discuss today doubtful things again. We started this discussion last time. And um, now we're going to talk through some specific items that come up in the Christian life over and over again that can be considered third column issues according to this chart the link to which you can find in the description, or doubtful things, conscience matters, stewardship issues. That's, that's what's going on um, today as we walk through some of this stuff. Um, real quick, though, do you want to give a 60-second, 90-second life update? Sure. Well, I mean, so much of the life update right now is is dominated by the development of this coronavirus right now. And um, so it's just affecting everything right now. It's limiting uh, work. It's limiting, you know, this it's kind of put almost all things church plant on hold. I mean, we're still doing our Bible study and things like that online, but, you know, all the normal outreach type stuff that we were planning for the spring, everything is just kind of in a holding pattern. So that's where we're at right now. Yeah, these are strange days. Uh, so strange that I actually went to a chiropractor earlier this week for the first time in my oh, life. Yeah, how was that? 
It was okay. Did you get a real uh, Eastern mystical kind of one with the whole weird stuff going on? Or Yeah, there were crystals uh, involved and incense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the third column issue. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, this guy was cool. He's really Mormon. So, um, you know, he wasn't going to be like breaking out crystals or anything. He's not that type of Mormon. Those Mormons do exist, but he wasn't one of those. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, it was okay. It was $45. I think 25 would have been more appropriate for the 15 minutes that we were, I was there and talked through some stuff, but it was helpful overall. I feel better. So, so maybe 45 is appropriate. I don't know. Me either. (laughs) It's actually me neither. It's a negative. Okay. The first column issue. No. All right. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into this. We have a lot of things to talk about uh, that we could potentially talk about, but we're going to try to keep this somewhat uh, limited so we don't put out a four-hour episode. But uh, the doubtful things column, just a refresher for the listener. The definition of these types of issues is this. Issues on which scripture leaves up to conscience. They sometimes affect the spiritual progress of others, so believers' actions should be adjusted accordingly. The principle here is that we want to obey our God-given conscience, but not cause others to stumble. We want to be wise in the way that we uh, live with one another. So, uh, to start off this conversation, as far as what are some examples of these things? Let's go ahead and jump into the conversation of alcohol. Alcohol is on the chart. It's on the list. Uh, is this really a conscience issue? Absolutely. And honestly, like the, the whole controversy over this is, I think it's faded to a degree, uh, at, least, at least in the circles that, that I've been a part of over the years. Um, this is much less of an issue than it once was. Um, but for a long time, you know, the whole teetotal totaler movement and um you know saying that it was a a sin to consume alcohol especially in fundamentalist circles that was very much present and yet as we explore what the scripture has to say on the issue we find several commands to not get drunk but no commands to avoid the consumption of alcohol altogether in fact we find examples of individuals like jesus uh, consuming alcohol and um, Apostle Paul recommending it to Timothy. So, yeah, yeah, and I do. You know, it's it's important to to keep this conversation balanced with the idea of being wise in the way that we live for God. So, just because something's in this column or in this category, as you're thinking about doctrine and Christian living, that doesn't mean. Well, okay, it's a free-for-all. You get to set your own standards completely as to how you do this. There's counsel from God, and there's in-depth Bible study that can actually inform our consciences more. Uh, You know that phrase, ignorance is bliss. Uh, That's true in more ways than one, and that can be true here where it's like, well, I'm just not going to study what the Bible has to say about it, so that way you know, I can just live on in ignorance. Well, you're not called to be ignorant. You're called to be wise. That'll keep you from being foolish. Yes. And one of the things with alcohol that is important when we study is that the alcohol they drank in the first century isn't, it wasn't Bud Light, it wasn't Jack Daniels, all right? It wasn't what you get on the shelves of stores today. 
it's important to study what oinos is in the New Testament. It definitely was fermented. It definitely had an alcohol content, but it wasn't, uh, you know, the 12% stuff that you get off the shelf today. So that's important to know too. And that doesn't make it a non-conscience issue, but the study of those things really informs your conscience. Yeah. And, and, um, you mentioned this is not just a free-for-all thing. You know, with the whole issue of Christian liberty, as we talked about in the previous episode, is, is the issue of I am free to abstain if this is going to cause an issue for another, uh, another brother or sister in Christ. Uh, and so just because something is on this list doesn't mean, like you said, we can just like, well, well, it's on this list, so don't mind if I do, you know, yeah. there's, there's definitely more to it that we need to ca- take into consideration. And, you know, this is a, this is a conscience issue. We readily recognize that and, and don't want to bind pe- people's consciences over um, our own choices in that. But I know in my own life, I've chosen to abstain yeah. and I've, I've not had uh, any alcohol by choice. Um, and so, but that doesn't make it, that doesn't mean that. I'm binding the consciences of others to do the same because I recognize that it's a third column issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I have, I have a, a set of things, a set of principles that I have worked through biblical principles that lead me toward, toward the direction that for me personally, I do not believe it would be wise or prudent for me to consume. Yeah. Good. Okay. Bring up another one. Let's go. Let's just keep shooting them off here. What's another one besides alcohol that we can attack? Uh, <laughs> one that would be one of my favorite ones to deal with is the issue of holidays. That's oh a fun yeah, one. that's right. Yeah. You, uh, you go all Jehovah's witness when everyone else is <laughs> having fun and full of joy, you turn into a prude. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> now I, I, uh, um, I've had to work through some things and, you know, just in my own life over the years with uh, holidays and things. And I just, there's, uh, I'm not a big fan of, of some like Christmas and, and things like that, that just, I, I have issues with, uh, and yet I recognize where this uh, issue places, you know, in, in the columns. And I know for how I approach it for myself in my own life and how we continue in my family, we've continued to make adjustments as we've learned and grown and things as well. Um, but we view the issue of holidays quite a bit differently than, than the, I'd say the majority of the Christian world does. Yeah. And and something unique about the topic of holidays as a third column issue is that it's one of the few things that scripture actually provides an example of as a third column issue. Right. So when you look at Romans 14 and Colossians 2 and some other places, right alongside food and um, uh, there's another one I'm trying to think of. Colossians 2. Yeah. Sabbaths. Um, holidays is in there, observing mm-hmm. one day over another. And, and that's, you know, pretty clear indicator when scripture is that direct and that plain, that this has to be a conscience issue, that we cannot hold other people to this standard. I mean, Paul just straight up says some people hold this day in high regard and yeah. other people don't. And you just live together and be different. And that's okay. So, so keeping holidays in the third column is a first column issue. Ah, 
Yeah, they, that's that's an interesting angle that we should uh, we should pursue that line sometime of putting things in the right columns becomes a first column. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boy, that'll put your brain in a pretzel. Then we, <laughs> I think, then we experience inception. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I mean, not just use the example of Christmas, not just Christmas, but Halloween. Yeah. Should yeah. Christians dress up their kids and go door to door? Is it okay if their kids dress up like something that is non-spiritual? What if they dress up like a ghost? What if they dress up like a little devil? Uh, okay, well, yeah. where do you draw the line on when it becomes sinful? Fourth of July, is that a nation idolatry? Oh my, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to even bring that one up. Oh, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yep, interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, how about music and other media? Can Christians watch rated R movies? Oh man, <laughs> you got a story about this one too, don't you? Did you did we share it last time? I think I think I gave it a, as an example last time about how um, uh, one of my sisters, uh, for a period of time, decided that it would be immoral for her to watch any PG thirteen rated movie or above, right. uh, and uh, me violating the principles of the third column and uh, biblical principles on the issues of conscience, tried to convince her and or trick her into watching movies that she felt were sinful for her to watch. Um, and I did that and that was wrong. Mm. What so, a terrible, terrible human being you yeah. are. But where I was free in my conscience to watch one, this the exact same movie, she was not free in her conscience and those, uh, those boundaries should be res- uh, respected and honored. Now the difficulty is where does it become objectively wrong to be finding yeah. entertainment in something? Uh, you know, nudity is obviously a big thing. When does a rated R movie become porn? Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Game of Thrones in recent years has been like the big discussion on that. But even going as far as uh, movies that glorify murder, mm-hmm. um, when does that become objectively wrong? When does it go from a a conscience issue to you're actually in sin if you're finding entertainment in this. That is really hard. That is very incredibly difficult. So if you are on a porn website and engaging in that as entertainment, I don't think any of us would have a problem saying you are wrong. Yeah, in sin. Now, reduce the nudity and sexual focus from 100% in a porn movie down to 70% and the other 30% is just regular wholesome stuff. <laughs> Quote unquote. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, now is it still sin? Now reduce it to 50. Now reduce it to 20. Now reduce it to 1%. Where's the yeah. line on that? Ugh. Yeah. Well, I would say let's talk about in the, talk about that in a future <laughs> episode, but I don't want to say that. So I'm not going to. All right. Um, another one on this list is the issue of uh, schooling. Should mm. we uh, homeschool our children? Should we send them to a Christian <laughs> private school? Should we put them in the in the public school, the government schools? Should How? we uh, should we delegate the raising of children to the government? Oh. <laughs> well, well, when you phrase it that yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. As, or should we uh, allow our children to? Uh, be a light for Christ in an area where it is so uh, so dark and so um, such a, lot, a need for um, for Christ in those public schools. That's the flip side to that argument. But yeah, there's 
yeah, it's, it's a challenging, uh, it's a challenging thing. A lot of people have different perspectives on that. Your family and my family, both homeschool. Yes. Uh, all the families in my church, except for one do homeschool. Hmm. And so we have a, you know, my circles, there's a pretty strong conviction on this. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I say when like we're talking to an unbeliever or something, I'll say, yeah, we were, we practice responsible education. Because uh, <laughs> sometimes it'll come up where, you know, they'll say, oh, are your kids going to be home for spring break or, you know, blah, 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 blah. They just, they talk about, they just assume our kids are in public school. Right. And so you have that awkward moment where you have to tell that person, well, we homeschool. And there's like a bit of shame that wants to crawl up because you're saying that just because you know what it looks like in the public eye. And so, uh, I found that just a way to deal with my flesh on that and to just really make things awkward is to say that we practice responsible education. (laughs) And they'll say, what? (laughs) Oh, we don't delegate the uh, raising of children to the government. Have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) But but it is a conscience issue. If someone, I went to public school my whole life. um, And even the last two years of, my high school, I was a Christian and wanted to do that, even though there were Christian options available. Um, and it's a conscience, it's a conscience deal. We cannot hold that against somebody as a sin. Right. And and I think the key point in, in all of these issues that we're talking about that we return to continually is the issues of whatever decision that you're making must be on the basis of biblical principles, Right. So if, if you're going to choose to homeschool your children, that needs to be on the basic basis of biblical principles. Uh, if you're going to choose to put your children in, in public school, you need to have b- biblical principles that you can draw upon that to justify that reasoning. You can't, it shouldn't be just something like, because it's the easy thing to do. It shouldn't be because of, you know, either peer pressure or public pressure or, or anything else or shame or anything else, it, it needs to be on the basis of biblical principles. And that applies towards the media we consume, the schooling we choose, the, what the alcohol we do or do not drink. It's, we need, it's got to be on the basis of, of biblical principles and wisdom. Yeah, that's super important to remember. And I'll also add here in the middle of the episode that you might be of the personality type that you just want somebody to tell you what to do on these things. And we are not here. No, no Christian should be here to erect a new law and say, this is what a Christian should or shouldn't do. So you might be thinking like when we were just talking about uh, nudity content and movies and stuff like that, you might be the personality type that says, Oh, just tell me, just tell me where the line is. So that way I won't, there is no line. That's the point. We can't tell you, but what you can do is study scripture, get counsel from God's people, pray that God would mold and shape your conscience, and then follow your conscience. Yeah. And that might be difficult because you might be in a church or a community where other people aren't doing what you're doing and you're going to feel like they're judging you, but your admonition in scripture in Colossians 2 is let no one judge you. So mm-hmm. Christ alone is your judge. Uh, don't worry about what other people say about your conscience. Yes. And the the Romans passage, you know, the the conclusion of that Romans 14 passage says, whatever is not from faith is sin. So whatever choice that you make, if you have got doubts about that, that's that's something you got to work through more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't like, well, this is a third column issue, and I'm not sure if I'm crossing the line with whatever media you're watching. 
probably an indication you need to pull back for a bit and and begin mm-hmm. to try to work through that. Yeah. Yeah. So into that, let's throw politics. Yeah. Uh, can a Christian vote for a Democrat? That is the question, is it not? And you know what? <laughs> can this a Christian... So, well, I, well, you might be saying the same thing I'm getting ready to say. They're not probably not nobody who listens to this, but there are probably Christians out there <laughs> who are saying, can a Christian be a Republican? Right. Yeah. And vote for Trump. Yep. That's, that is what I was about to, I was about to say. And so, and, and so people in our circles are thinking, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Can a Christian be a Republican and vote for Trump? Yeah. Uh, isn't that wild? Just how different we can be. It is, it is, and, and there's all the caricatures, you know, and there's the, you know, there's the, um, oh, the, the word just left my brain, so I can't even remember what I was, what word I was going to say, right on the tip of my tongue, but. Stereotypes? That's the word. I don't know why that word was so hard coming to my head, but that's the word. <laughs> there's so many stereotypes yeah, of all the, uh, of the prototypical evangelical Christian politically and what we would identify as liberal uh, Christians that would, we would say would violate first column issues that uh, we would argue that don't, that they're not really Christians at all. Um, They've hijacked a term. Um, So there's the stereotypes in terms of which side of the political aisle that they go on, but there are, there's the cross section. That's probably a very small cross section, but it's there. Yeah. And, and there's no way we could explore this exhaustively, not just here, but in any podcast episode, because you almost need to be omniscient to have that conversation uh, and be able to see people's hearts. And uh, we can't. Yeah, we just absolutely can't. It's just interesting. You know, we had, um, you know, there were maybe I shouldn't get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you pulling back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I will say this. I mean, because there will be probably some people who listen that are maybe thinking, you got to be stronger on this. You got to be stronger on where you stand and what a Christian can or can't do regarding politics. Well, let's remind people too that if you've got your first column in line, and you have your second column issues in place, you're actually going to be a little bit pigeonholed as far as (laughs) how far you can go on the doubtful things. Yeah. We'll take alcohol, for example. That's a first column issue that you can't be drunk. Yes, correct. That is biblical morality. You You can't budge on that one. So then when you get down to the third column, okay, the Christian and alcohol, it's not wide open anymore. You've taken off the table drinking in excess Mm -hmm. and so you're limited now as to what you can do and the same will go with politics to a degree the same will go with schooling the same will go with all kinds of stuff music and other media that's just that's just the way it is so that's important to remember yes very good point that um all right i uh we also have on this list the issue of tattoos whether or not you should ink your body. Well, did you have a teaching on that growing up? In terms of what was permissible? Well, yeah. I mean, knowing that you came from a fundamental Christian context, was there any teaching on that or was it 
I imagine most of it's probably like a subtle judgmental thing. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't recall like it ever being addressed from the pulpit. But you, you, if you had any personal conversation with anybody, yeah, no, you you should not get a tattoo. So somebody, maybe like a deacon in the church who's a younger deacon, 40s or 50s, all of a sudden gets a sleeve tat and comes rolling into church. <laughs> that would probably be the buzz around the, the congregation. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't be a deacon for long, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. if I, I really don't know how exactly that would have played out. But yeah, that would... Now, uh, now, that, now there are con- contexts in which that could be quite alarming. Um, where it might appear like, oh, some this person's going through a midlife crisis or something. Like this person's never been known to get tattoos and didn't talk to anybody about it and just shows up one day like, oh, hello. Uh, that's There's probably a story behind that. Would you like to share? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, we recognize that this is a a third column thing where, you know, there's there's one biblical passage that, that is usually referred to as, as uh the justification to say that tattoos are uh, should be prohibited for the Christian. But if we were to de- dive into the context on that, we would find that it's really talking about something quite a bit different than the current practice of tattoos. Yeah, you're talking about so, Nazarites in uh, Numbers 6, the Nazarite vow, no markings and stuff like that? I believe so, yeah. 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 So um, now, again, there's wisdom in all of that. So... Mm-hmm. You, if you are, for instance, an influential Christian in rural mid-America and have a ministry to farmers and ranchers and stuff like that, suddenly getting tatted up uh, and, you know, getting gauge earrings and a septum ring and like getting a Mike Tyson face tattoo and all of that stuff and going out and trying to connect with those people, probably not the wisest idea in the world. Correct. Because <laughs> uh, that could, uh, and that's, again, that's the whole key to all this is, is that we are not, liberty is not for me. Liberty is for the sake of my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So I do not want to call, I don't want to bind anyone's conscience, but I also do not want to be a stumbling block for others. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that last example I used uh, about kind of adjusting your liberties per your ministry. Contextualization is on here too. Do you remember a good definition of contextualization from missions? Uh, Can you explain that succinctly? Uh, You're asking me if I can remember. I don't remember a particular definition, but... um, I I meant from missions, missions class in Bible college. Yeah, that's a hard ask to to dig that up. That was freshman year. (laughs) Oh, wow. So we're going on 10 years ago. Yeah, they, that was 10 years ago. Goodness how would, gracious. How would you define it today? Contextualization is the issue of uh, seeking to communicate God's eternal truth in a culturally relevant manner. Okay, and that, for a fundamentalist, just the definition kind of sets things off where it's like, well, what do you mean? You put culture in the yeah. definition as something that should be a a guiding principle in our ministry when our ministry is absolutely opposed to the world. Right. How, yeah. do, you, how do you find balance there? Well, and that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? Cause there, there are, uh, you know, the, you know, contextualization for some people means 
that they're going to go and get all, you know, get all the tattoos and the piercings and stuff because they're trying to reach a particular crowd that uh, that may uh, display itself that way. So that's that's one form of contextualization. Heck, but he's no longer a lot for the world. He's becoming one with the darkness. <laughs> But another form of contextualization. <laughs> move just, on. Yeah, I'm just ignoring all that. <laughs> uh, another form of contextualization that uh, pretty much everybody engages in is what Bible translation you use, because you're using a, a translation that is written in the common vernacular of the people. That is contextualization, yeah. and so there's a whole spectrum of contextualization that goes on there and trying to find out where, where the balance is between maintaining the biblical principles contained in God's eternal world while also not, uh, you know, while also being somewhat current, you know, we're using, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're many churches, uh, you know, even before this whole, um, coronavirus stuff, engaging in all kinds of online tools and resources and, and communication and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's a form of contextualization. Having a building, the types of clothes that you wear when you go to church that you look like the other people who are going to your church. Right. Um, I mean, you take the people who are really fired up about like being anti-contextualization. It's usually cult-like ministries. And, you know, they think, well, you got to wear a suit and tie every Sunday to church. Mm. When did people start wearing suits and ties to church? <laughs> wasn't yeah. during biblical times. Wasn't during the dark ages. Wasn't during the Reformation. <laughs> okay, so this is a really new thing. It's a contextualization thing. And we're not going to throw bombs at you for wearing a suit and tie to church as long as you don't throw bombs at us for wearing sandals to church. And what's funny is, is... Much more biblical. Yeah. And what's funny is that some of the people that might, uh, you know, might go that route they'd be branded as puritanical because of the Puritans and the attitudes about the Puritans. I learned that the Puritans actually dressed according to the customs of the day. Hmm. And so that, that is a unfortunate caricature of the Puritans. Wow. So they had man buns and V necks. The, I guess the equivalent of that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't yeah. see John Owen with a man bun. No, I don't want to. <laughs> oh dear. Uh I lost my chart. Where'd it go? Here we hey, are. Yeah, we should probably do one more. Do one more. Um social networks. This is uh yeah, how which social networks are okay for a Christian to use? And how should we use them? They're, how we use them could be first column issues because we could hop on a social network and conduct ourselves co- completely contrary to what scripture would have for us in terms of how we engage with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, I'm sure we've both seen that. Um, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, you know, in times past where I've not handled myself properly on social media. Um, but the question of whether or not we should use social media at all. There's some in, people that. In which ones? In I which mean, ones? Exactly. Because yes. here's a little, I think it's a, this would be a good test. Can a Christian use Twitter? Very few people have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. So we'll go one degree up. Can a Christian use Reddit? 
Okay. Reddit's a, little, a lot more interesting um, yeah. and has bad stuff on it, right? Or, yeah, it's like... So does Twitter, but Reddit like does too. Unfiltered internet is uh, okay. Reddit. Go, go another step up. Can a Christian use TikTok? Which is now becoming basically, it seems to me, I'm not on it, I uh, don't know how to use it, but it seems to me that there's a lot of young women being... Um, immoral on it is what it looks like to me uh at least that that's readily accessible and that's a huge part of, the, <laughs> of how it operates and then another step up if you said yeah yeah oh that's fine what about tinder can a christian use tinder to find a uh future spouse uh is there any godly reason for a christian to be on <laughs> tinder all right so can you draw the line biblically at any of those places that's yeah. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. You know, and that's that's something that we, again, this is where the biblical principles and our own conscience need to be working together uh, to help establish this for ourselves. And with the counsel of God's people. Uh, yes, where, very much so. You know, for instance, this was a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, there was a uh, very young girl at our church who, uh, you know, elementary age, and... Um, we were having our meal before Bible study on Wednesday night. Um, her parents don't go to our church. And she said that she was talking about how she was on TikTok. Um, I guess she's just given a device that has the app on it and she's just on it. And I just said, yeah, you shouldn't be on TikTok. <laughs> so, um, was I wrong? I don't know, but uh, I feel like it's wisest uh, as a godly influencer in her life to say, that's just not something you should even be sniffing around right now. Because uh, there's just a lot of lot of potential, especially when you don't have Christian oversight on that. Yeah. A lot of potential for sin. Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, the danger of things that are Clearly, first column issues are present on all of these social media places, mm -hmm. apps, platforms. That's the word, platforms. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and, uh, and so trying to sort through, okay, well, if it's on there, does that mean I shouldn't be? And Because in theory, there's ways to avoid some of that stuff. I and mean, when we, there, there's a lot of junk on Twitter, you can avoid it. Uh, it's easier to avoid it, I'd say, on Twitter than it would be on TikTok. Right. Um, but, you know, those are the trying to sort through all those things. That's where yeah. we got to have have that wisdom. And it's almost comparable to real world engagement where you could say, OK, is it appropriate for a Christian to go to Vegas at all and to walk down the strip in Vegas? Is it ever appropriate? Yeah. OK, well, we we're in real bad shape. But we start <clears throat> telling Christians where they can and can't go uh, yet. It, again, it can't be stressed enough. There is wisdom in mm -hmm. all of this. Yes. So you're going to, I've, I went to Vegas once for a business trip and saw people, young families with strollers going down the strip in Vegas with all the smut that's there. Actually, even worse, I saw it at Bourbon Street in New Orleans. I was also there for a business trip. We stayed down there in the French Quarter and those women who have those businesses, they come out at Bourbon Street, they come out and stand in the doorway dressed the way they're dressed and mm -hmm. seek to entice men to come in and mom and dad pushing a stroller right by them. Foolish, right? <laughs> Objectively foolish. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, well, 
Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't oh, it? Oh my goodness. And we the tip of we've barely even hit the tip of the iceberg on each individual topic versus not only just the whole that whole third column is the tip of the iceberg. And then mm-hmm. each individual topic we could spend a long time trying to sort through it all. Yeah. I mean, just to give the listeners a bit of a taste in case they haven't seen the chart, there's some other things listed on here. This is definitely the least exhaustive list on the chart because you could it's an endless oh, list yeah. of things yeah. you can put in here. But clothes is another thing on here. What men and women wear into a church on a Sunday morning and where you draw the line on what you allow and don't allow. Just that segment of that conversation could take forever. <laughs> uh, food that we can and can't eat and how much of food. Uh, talking about environmental responsibilities with that and all sorts of things. Uh, stewardship deals there. Mission fields. Uh, personalities, personal finances, the way that we manage our personal finances, uh, the relationship with tobacco that the Christian may or may not have, all of these things and more comprise this doubtful things column. These are conscience matters. Right. Yeah. And again, we've said it several times. I don't think it can be stressed enough really that these, it takes takes a tremendous amount of wisdom and we're not saying... Putting these things in this third column doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. You really ought to have biblical principles to justify uh, your actions. And whatever is not from faith is sin. It becomes a first-column issue when it is not conducted in faith. Mm-hmm. So, And it's not, it's not wrong, it's not abusive as Christian leaders and Christian influencers to remind people that they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the way that they handle these issues. Right. And I hope it comes across like really aggressive when you say that, but it's just true. That is, you got to think about that. Right. And I think, uh, I think if we were to go through, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Romans passage speaks to that, how, you know, Christ is our judge in that. Yep. Um, Romans 14, 10. Yeah, there we go. So, and I hope that as we've talked about these things and as we've identified these things as third column issues that nobody listening is just thinking that, you know, you or I are wishy-washy on these things. Probably not because we've come out and said some pretty strong things, I guess. But, you know, we do have, you know, personal convictions on, I'd say, I'd say pretty well, just about everything that we've talked about. Yeah. And I would say that I feel very strongly for it. And I feel like I could argue for it and, uh, and, and could present the biblical principles that I'd be appealing to, to justify my reasoning. But at the same time, recognizing that it is in the third column and understanding that other people are approaching it perhaps from a different perspective with different consciences and different tolerances that I can allow for grace in the midst of that conversation to where I'm not using my conviction to make a legalistic rule upon someone else and binding their conscience provided that they are acting in accordance with uh, biblical reasoning and principles. Yeah. And if, and if there's foolishness, so say you're you're in grace allowing someone to do something that you believe is foolish. It's loving to let that person know that you believe it's foolish and you're in yeah. all the while saying, I'm not trying to control your life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I'm your authority, but here's what I see in it that that could be considered foolish or damaging or destructive to the name of Christ. So Right. Anyway. Okay. Well, lots more to discuss. Yes. Yes, indeed. But until next time, do theology. 
Are we really just going to end it that abruptly? Holy cow. We should. 